great. Well, what a great church. Great people. Great young people. Man, what awesome young people. Wow. <laughs> it's just great. I just love it. The life of God. Great to be here tonight. Great you came. I'm glad you came. And uh, you come. I, I want to tonight just uh, help you to get a breakthrough in an area of your life. Really help you. Because uh, how many know we live in a culture that really puts people down? Huh? And uh, we're just going to talk tonight about uh, breaking through verbal violence. Uh, and uh, I want to pick up where I was speaking this morning. So even if you weren't there this morning, it won't make any difference. You'll still be fine. You'll be able to pick it up from where we go tonight. And I want to share just a few scriptures with you. And uh, then I want to talk primarily about how you break out. And uh, if we don't break out of things which are spoken, then those things which are spoken we agree with. Negative words spoken in our life which we agree with we will soon speak and they will begin to set the course of our destiny. And so it's really important that we understand the power of words. And uh, what we've been doing in the last three or four weeks is we've been looking at various aspects of the words that we speak, different kind of words people speak. And I've taken time. I, didn't, I was hoping to do that all in one session, by the way. And then what the Holy Ghost did was he said, no, nah. he said, it took me a long time to sort these things out in your life. So you can take time to sort them out in everyone else's too. So just take your time because he said this, he said, you'll never move forward to be able to move in speaking God's word to change environments prophetically unless you recognize where the words you speak actually are poisoning the environment. The Bible says in James 3, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. It shouldn't be like that. And so over these last three or four weeks, the Holy Ghost has been just speaking into our hearts about the kind of words we speak the quality of the words and what kind of things are coming out of your mouth and uh, how they're affecting the people around you. And so tonight I want to pick up one particular aspect. We started on it this morning, but I'm going to pick it up tonight again and uh, begin to just share with you then how you can break out of it. And I, I believe there'll be many people here that will begin to start to realize you need to break out. And they're not just to break out, but to stay out and to stay free of the spiritual put-downs that are prevalent in our society. You get in school, man, one of the worst places to put people down is schools. Young people just shocking to one another. Unfortunately, many teachers are like that too. And uh, our culture is like that. Everywhere you go, there's this spirit that comes to try and contain or hold the dreamers down. You find of Joseph, Joseph was a dreamer. He had prophetic dreams of a destiny that would change nations. And yet around him in his own family, he had those who hated him because of it and did all they could to destroy the dream and the dreamer. Isn't that interesting? And it seems to be the nature when, of the world we live in, that whenever God has put a dream of something in your heart, the first thing that will happen when you begin to articulate the dream is that people will tell you it can't be done. They begin to knock you back down into your place. So if you believe that in, through faith in Jesus Christ, you are called to express the life of God in a unique way, then God is going to put dreams in your heart. And you're going to have to recognize what are the dream thieves, what, thieve, what steals the dream away from you, and what stops you actually expressing the life of God. And if we don't understand that, and how to nurture the dreams in our heart, and how to speak the dreams in our heart, then what happens is we become contained and we stay where everyone else is. And we don't want to be that kind of people. This coming year, I believe, is a year for people to begin to break out. And so God is preparing the way. So these four weeks we've been speaking about certain kinds of words and their impact on our life. And uh, how many people have found God challenged you about what you're saying? How many found you just felt yourself pulling back? Words would go out and think, oh man, what did I say that for? 
And I've been finding that. I've been finding every week there'd be, oh, that's so cool. And then you've got to repent and ask God to forgive you and cancel the power of the words and then begin. But it's in the heart. Whatever's in the heart is going to find a place out of your mouth. Is that right? So uh, we're going to just tonight open the way for you to just get free of stuff, give you a couple of keys that will help you to break out of things. And then it's up to you to begin to learn how to stand up and break forth. Hey? See? How to learn how to stand up. Be different. Come on, tell someone. You be stand up. Be different. It's not that easy to do, you know. It's not that easy to do. Because the moment you try and be different, someone says, who do you think you are? Well, I'm me. And I'm being me. We'll be unashamed of who we are. Let's just, uh, I want you to open up with me in 1 Peter chapter 2. And start where we'll finish virtually. 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, I want to just share with you just there's something that, uh, just a couple of scriptures in the Bible that give a real insight to how Jesus handled issues. And uh, we, when you look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus said this. He said, I have come to give you life and give it more abundantly. So when Jesus came, what he had in mind was that whatever kind of life you're living right now, there is another whole dimension coming with access to the life of the Spirit that you can enter into that will lift you to a whole new dimension of how you live your life and run your relationships and what you do. There are dreams that God has that when you become connected with Him, you become lifted up inside and there's a desire to fulfill something you never thought you'd ever do before. Some of you have got God dreams waiting to be hatched inside you, to be vocalized, birthed in prayer, and then begin to be activated in your life. But the, the Bible says Jesus came to give a life and give it more abundantly. So He didn't come to take stuff from us. He came to realign us with how we should live our life so we can position ourselves to come up to new levels. It's wonderful. I'd never be doing what I'm doing now. I actually remember saying as a 14-year-old boy, I'll never sing in front of anyone. Never. Oh, that was not God's plan. That was just a hurt and an embarrassment and a shame and a rejection thing talking. And I was saying words that would have sealed my fate. God gave me the grace to repent of the words and cancel them and change and discover that there was more in me than I realized. There's more in you than you realize. But you've got to learn how to tap into God's life, the flow of the prophetic spirit, and begin to start to agree with the words of God. And always there's going to be other words that will come to try and knock you down. And that's what we want to do tonight. I want to, to speak to you about those words, how to deal with those words. And uh, then after this, we're going to start to be looking then at beginning to tap into the whole prophetic realm of getting words from God, agreeing with the words of God, begin to meditate in the words of God, speak the words of God until our life begins to reflect and begins to start to articulate what God has to say about our life. See? There's what you see and there's what God sees. What you see, well, it's temporary and it's subject to what you can't see. And so we need to begin to understand how the faith realm works. So in the coming year, we want to look at faith and how faith operates and how to position yourself in a relationship with God and how to begin to speak God's word so that you see things change around you. You're going to love that. But to do that, you, we have to shift in our heart and abandon negative speaking. We have to actually let the Holy Ghost help us purify our heart and our thought life so that we begin to reflect and speak the way God speaks. You never find Jesus putting anyone down. He spoke the truth and people didn't like it, but he never deliberately put anyone down. 
The devil is the one who puts down. Let's have a look in the scripture here, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, I don't want to draw this out. I want to just give these points just quite simply and quickly. We're going to first of all look at how Jesus dealt with violence, verbal violence. Okay, in, in, uh, chapter, in 1 Peter 2 verse 23, here it is. It says, uh, <clears throat> we'll pick it up in verse 21. Now for this were you called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example, we should follow his steps. He committed no sin, neither was any deceit in his mouth. So he didn't do anything wrong, and he didn't lie or use trickery or anything like that. Now notice this. It says, when he was abused, he didn't abuse back. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. But what did he do? So you notice here, it's speaking of two things that Jesus experienced in his life in the earth. Now he experienced many things, but one of them was... He was abused verbally. He was abused verbally. Many times when you look at Jesus' ministry, you find him subject to verbal abuse. Constant accusations. Constant gossiping about him. Words spoken. As the Bible says, they hated him and wanted to kill him because they were envious of his success. And so he, he experienced verbal abuse. The Bible tells us when he was in the in the desert at the beginning of his ministry, the devil came to him and attacked him and, uh, uh, and began to uh, uh, come against who he was, began to challenge who he was. Who do you think you are? The devil still does it. Who do you think you are? Well, you reckon you're the son of God? You better prove it by doing something that looks like you're the son of God. See, there's an abusive attack upon him. And he overcame it by the word of God. When he's hanging on the cross in suffering and in pain, the Bible says they went by and they abused him as he was on the cross. The soldiers abused him and belittled him. So the kinds of words which we talked about that people do that really hurt, that release spirits of murder and death and violence against us, Jesus experienced all of those things. So when we talk about him, we, don't, we often think of him, you know, the baby in the manger. We think of a gentle Jesus. But actually, he was a man of outstanding courage and strength. Because when he was in his greatest pain, and people stood around him and abused him and cursed him and swore at him and plucked off his beard, when they did all of these things, he did not abuse them back. And he did not, uh, thre he did not threaten them. So the Bible tells us they not only physically, uh, verbally abused him, they physically abused him as well. And he didn't abuse them back verbally, and he did not threaten them or use the threats of violence against them. He could have. The Bible says in a moment he could have summoned angels, and those men would have gone into an eternity screaming in terror and fear. He had the power to make that happen, and yet he never used that power to get back at the people who were hurting him. Amazing. And it says he gave an example, having suffered abuse verbally and suffered abuse physically, how you and I can do the same thing. And it says this is what he did. He committed his cause to his father who judges righteously. What it is is he committed his personal rights to the father. In that sense, he allowed God to sort things out on his behalf he just listened to what the father wanted to do. So he laid down his rights. The reason people get angry, 
The reason people get really upset is because they become frustrated and their perceived rights are violated. We think we have a right to be able to get straight here without being blocked. We get blocked by some cars or traffic, we get angry, frustrated. See, so Jesus laid his rights down. So Jesus' attitude in coming into the world was this. The world sucks, but I made it, and I love it, and I'm going to come in and make a difference. So as the Bible says very clearly, he came into the world. It says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, it says, he came with no expectation that the world would meet his needs. He came with an expectation he could make a difference. He had access to something from heaven he could release into the earth to change what he saw. Most of us want what's around us to work to serve us. And so we set ourselves up for all kinds of anger and upsets and every kind of thing. So in this, it tells us very clearly the secret or the, one of the keys was that Jesus released his rights to the Father and let the Father sort the mess out. He just listened what to do. So instead of getting wound up and angry and reactionary, he just let it go to the Father and then he listened to what he should do. We just want to yell and jump up and down and stamp and yell back and, and, and we get all upset or hurt or withdraw, all kinds of things we get. Notice here 1 Peter chapter 4. In 1 Peter 2, it says it's an example to walk in the same way. Now, to follow his steps mean you have a look how he walked, and you'd walk the same way. So when people yell at you, you don't yell back. When people treat you badly, you don't treat them badly back. That's walking in his steps, following his example. To follow his example, you need two things to work in your behalf. One, you've got to learn to lay your rights down in the Father, let the, the rights of your life go to the Father, so whatever happens, you're okay with. And secondly, you've got to learn how to draw from his life and spirit so you know what to say and do. You don't know what to say and do. You'll never know when. You should tell them, you should stand up against what's happening, withdraw from what's happening, or wait timing to do something. If you're angry and upset by what people are doing to you and how they're treating you, you'll never be able to respond properly. So when we let our rights go to the Lord, when we let the injustices and the things that are happening us go to Him and begin to listen to what He wants us to do, we're positioned then to be able to change the situation. I'll show you some things you can do that will help. And, of course, there's a lot of young people here tonight, so some of these things uh, will be uh, uh, relevant for you, I'm sure. So, so then we see, so we see, we talked about different kind of words. So the words we found, which uh, really release violence against us. Now, I mean, some, it's, it's not nice to be in situations where there's violence. I can tell you now. It's all right to watch it on the television, perhaps, as long as you don't watch too much and feed your soul on it. The Bible says God hates those who feed on violence. Violence is, is something, there's something addictive about it. Violence brings a shock to the human system. And I can remember being in some situations which were potentially quite violent. One, I remember being at a party and the guy was putting down my brother. I had to stand up and stop what was happening. And the situation got very, very difficult. And although I was able to restrain the guy, handle the situation, afterwards the shock to my spirit was quite intense. There's something about violence that shocks our spirit. We're not made for that. We're made for heaven's life, which is the life where there's love and peace. So when we're in an environment where there's violence, it actually impacts us extremely deeply because it's not, it's not, not something that's come from God. It's something that comes out of the demonic realm. I've been in situations where I've had to confront people who were, who were causing trouble to people in the church. I remember one time having to take someone out of a meeting because 
I knew his only reason for being there was to wheedle his way into the church so he could sleep with girls in the church. So I actually confronted them in a meeting, took him outside. But it was a, quite a, it, you know, he could feel the violence that was about to erupt there. And, and it shocks your system. So anytime you're involved or experience violence, there's a tremendous shock factor because we're not, we're not designed for that. We're not designed for that. Uh, when you have an operation, usually the shock of the operation leaves quite an impact, it can have a, quite an impact on you. If you're involved in an accident, a traumatic accident, traumatic experience, the, the shock actually hugely affects your body, your soul, and your spirit. Every part of you is affected by it. So when you're exposed to verbal violence, and that's what we're going to focus on tonight, verbal violence. In Proverbs, it tells us in chapter 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So a person can speak, and the words they speak release a violent, murderous, destructive spirit against you. Or they can speak different kind of words and release a life-giving spirit that heals, refreshes, touches, and, and, and blesses you. When we move prophetically, prophetically means we are listening to God and getting words from Him to speak to people, People weep because their hearts are touched. They get touched in the depth of their being. They feel love. They feel enveloped. They feel, when you minister prophetically or have a word of knowledge about a, a broken heart or somewhere in a person's life, the Spirit of God comes with those words and, and people often just break down and weep because the, word, the Spirit carried by the words has deeply entered into their heart with healing and restoration. So the words we speak can be words of death. They can impart destruction into people's lives. See? See, if I was to, suppose I got totally drunk on booze and had a sword and start swinging the sword around. I'm just goofing off, swinging that sword around, and this room's not this big, it's a bit smaller. You would understandably get very nervous because there's a real danger to you that I'm unaware what I'm doing, I'll cut someone or hurt someone seriously with that sharp sword. And yet we can be in a, a room with a person who is under the influence of anger or some kind of demon spirit, and they begin to start to mouth off, and the words that they're speaking, the Bible says there is, it speaks like the piercings of a sword, their words are releasing something against us. Now, of course, you know, we know sticks and stones and rape my wounds and words will never hurt me. Words will hurt you and change your life. The bones will repair, the wounds that the words create may never, ever be healed unless you actually do something to change them. I've known people who uh, have had words of cursing spoken over their life by a father, and they, they, they believed they were a failure all their life, and their life was always below their potential. And when they broke the agreements with the words spoken over them and began to agree with what God said, it was like they came alive and emerged out of a place where they've been contained all their life. So there's no doubt words carry a spirit. They carry something that nurtures you or wounds you one way or the other. Think about that. And now we begin to think about words. So we found those certain kinds of words and uh, words which were put-down words. That means they, they are attempting violently to use, they're attempting to use words literally to beat you down so you come back down and let go of your dream and stop being who you are called to be. Now you find that everywhere at school, 
people try to put you down. There's these put down words, put down comments, put down accusations, and all this kind of thing. Now, what, what they carry is they carry a spirit which is, desi- which is uh, its, its assignment is to wound you so that you will not pursue who you are and what you are in Christ. That's what they do. See, so put down words will do that. Oh, you're an idiot. Who do you think? Hey, you're nothing. Those kinds of things. Sometimes teachers speak those words. Sometimes those words have been spoken by a father or a mother. I've had to pray for a young woman whose father called them a slut and, and, and spoke words over them that actually changed how they saw themselves and wounded the, their whole identity changed. They began to actually agree with the words the father had spoken and began to live out what he'd proclaimed over their life. All words have power, all right. See, by the blessing of the upright, the city is established. See, so we can bless a city. We can speak over a city and alter its atmosphere. We can speak over our life and alter its atmosphere. We can speak death. And many people speak death. So put down words. Angry words also carry a spirit of violence. They carry a spirit of violence and murder. And when they come against you, you become wounded by them. You think what it was like the last time someone nutted off against you and began yelling at you and abusing you what it felt like on the inside. And I'm just going to give you a list of some of the things that verbal violence does to us. Believe me, it's not a neutral zone. When someone is nutting off at you, when someone is yelling at you, when someone is abusing you, when someone is putting you down, when someone is, is actually acting with verbal violence against you, there is an impact on every part of you, body, soul, and spirit. You, you just begin to say to yourself, now I'm a no good, I'm a failure. After You'll find you don't even have to say it very much, and your whole soul and body begin to lose energy as you come into agreement with those things. So when, when others abuse us, it, has a, it can potentially have dramatic life-changing effect on us, particularly if it's the home environment where, we're caught, where God has designed that we be nurtured like a, a little plant. Now, I've got some plants. I'm, not, I'm hopeless with plants. I don't know what happens. The day after I buy them, they die. Well, it seems like the day after I buy them. I'm sure it's actually a lot longer than that. If something happens, I actually neglect them. So I actually, the fact that I didn't hurt the plant just actually failed to nurture it. It just died. And, and people are like plants. If they're not nurtured, then what happens is they begin to wither. Let me just give you some example then of what happens when there's verbal violence. Put down, scolding, yelling, anger, accusations, all of those kind of things. They carry with them something designed to put you down. If you don't actually take a proactive step against it, it's going to hurt you and wound you. Let me give you a few, a few things that it does and I'll just quickly give them and then I'll show you most I want to spoke just how to get out of this thing. Yeah, the first thing is, is it's violence. Proverbs 18.21 there's been a violent attack on you when someone has abused you, yelled at you, put you down, whatever. You have been subject to verbal violence. Someone has attacked you. You've been attacked. Now, if you went down the street and someone grabbed you and beat you up and left you lying bleeding on the ground, you'd know you'd been attacked. But people do it with words, and we don't seem to realize what it's done. But what happens afterwards, you actually feel quite numbed and stunned, and you don't even know what's really happened to you. You've gone into shock. Uh, very often, if you're in, a, in a, a relationship which is controlling or abusive, where particularly men, sometimes men get incredibly abusive of women, they have unresolved conflict with women, they begin to really put down women. What can happen in that relationship is the woman actually becomes stunned and numbed totally by the violence, maybe never touched her once uh, and, and physically harmed her, but the words. Sometimes 
young people growing up, they've been subject to that kind of verbal violence, angry outbursts, and it hurts their spirit. So first of all, number one, it's violence. Number two, it releases demons. It releases demons against you. In Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27, thou don't be angry. Uh, so it says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't open the door to demons. So it tells us that we, it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to have expressions of anger, but don't let it explode and hurt people. Deal with it the same day so you don't open the door to demons. So very clearly that angry uh, people open the doorway to demons. You go into some homes... You wonder, whoa, what is this? You feel the atmosphere. See, people came here the other day, the funeral, and said, whoa, what's in here? They can't see it, but they can feel it because we're spirit beings. So the atmosphere of heaven where there's glory nurtures us the most. The atmosphere of the earth, which can be at times filled with violence, can destroy your life. So we have to actually determine to run our life so while we're in the growing phase, we have continued access to the presence of God, words of encouragement, and atmosphere of life, so our spirit and soul are nurtured and become strong. And if you're in a situation where you're exposed to put down, you've got to make some decisions what you're going to do about it. I'll give you a few options of what you can do. But uh, we need to understand that demons are released. You get someone who gets violent or angry, yelling, accusing, and putting down. Afterwards, you have had a fiery dart. And you, have you noticed... After you walk away, it's like you can't get the words out of your ears. It's like for three or four days, you say, oh, I forgive them, but you feel like, oh, man, this thing, I can't seem to get over it. And, and now, instead of being able to enjoy the next two or three days, something someone yelled at you, just echo, 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 echo. You think, man, what's happened to me? Actually, a fiery, the Bible calls it a fiery dart. That was a, an arrow that was, had some flammable material. They fired at a building and they'd fired at you, fired at your shield, and set you on fire. And that's what's happened. You've had a dart come that set you on fire. That's why we need to know the armor of God so we can quench those fiery darts. The devil doesn't always personally come to us. He often works through people around us that are near to us, and they speak scornful or just sometimes they don't even know what they're doing. They say words, and you go away, and you think, oh, oh, oh. You, you notice how often... You, you come to a conference or go to a camp and you've had this wonderful, wonderful time with God and about five minutes after you're out of the place, zoom! Ah! It feels like all the thing was stolen from you because an arrow has come and it's a living spirit that's come using words to try and quench you, knock you down, get you out of the place God has brought you. And if you don't know how to deal with it, what to do with it, you will actually then lose all the benefit of the time you had when you went to the camp. So you've got to learn what to do. So the, the third thing is that the, uh, uh, verbal violence wounds people. Verbal violence wounds their soul, wounds your soul and your spirit. In Proverbs 12, 18, it says, there is that speaks like the piercings of a sword. There are some people's words have got an ability to get right inside you and absolutely wound you. If I got a sword and cut you, you'd see you're bleeding all the way up to the toilet to get fixed. But if someone spoke words into you, you could be bleeding on the inside all the way home and all the next day and the next week, and no one saw you. See? See, because we look on the outside, God looks on the heart. I found over the years, as I've begun to look into this area, I found that I'll just look at people sometimes, just talk with them, and they begin to weep, and, and, and they're bleeding. Because you look past the outside at that cocky, confident attitude or whatever it was, and suddenly saw inside... There's a hurt person 
They doesn't know what to do with what's ringing and echoing around in their life. So words, verbal violence wounds people. The fourth thing it does is it intimidates people and shuts down their gift. Intimidates them and shuts down their gift. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, stir up the gift which is inside you, don't be afraid. Now why was he afraid? He was af- what was he afraid of and why was he afraid? He was actually afraid of people. People were intimidating and putting, you know what they were doing? They were telling him, you're too young to be doing that job. Who do you think you are? They were in challenging him. And Paul wrote to him another time and said, don't let anyone despise your youth. Sometimes older people can have a tendency to do that. When a young person's arising and emerging, the light of God is shining on them, they begin to speak. Who do you think you are? And what that does is it, it intimidates. So, so vi- verbal violence or angry words or accusing words, abusing words, what they can do is so intimidate a person, it shuts down their gift. They can't function. They can't even be who they're called to be. You come in a home environment with a lot of anger and shouting and, and disturbances and things like that, You've got to find a way to survive it. And what you do is you shut your spirit up, you close up, and you close up house, and you go away somewhere in your mind, in your emotions, and you, you just vacate being present. So, so this, this is a huge issue, especially if people have been in homes where there's been physical or sexual or verbal violence or anything like that. They, they get shut down. And then you see you come to Christ, but you've got to actually open that part of your life that was shut down and let the Holy Ghost heal you, restore you, and begin to start to change what you believe about yourself. Does that make sense? You're all getting quieter. How many know what I'm talking about here? Huh? Here's another one then, uh, another thing of verbal violence. It stirs up or causes further anger. So if you've been in a place where people are yelling and abusing you, how many know that the first thing you feel is you feel hurt when people yell at you? What follows on just after that? You get angry. You get angry. And, and if you can't find a way to deal with the anger, you just internalize it, and you've got all this anger. And the Bible says that. It says in Proverbs 15:1, soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words, harsh words, stir up and create anger. So if you're in a verbally violent situation, now you have a think, young people, think of the homes of some of the kids that, you, that you're going to school with. I have seen them in classes. They can't function. They can't succeed. They're too much of an emotional mess because of what's going on in their homes. They're wounded. They're angry. I've seen, a, there's a lot of young people I've seen are really angry. And you get a few drinks they, and they go crazy. They, they get in a car and away they go and they go crazy. But actually they're angry and they've got no way to deal with the anger. They don't know what to do with what they're feeling. Okay? See, they've been affected by this whole deal. And we need to know how to get out of that. And so it stirs up anger, and finally it lowers esteem. It lowers the value. So when you're abused, one of the things that happens is your feeling of the value you have about, your see, your, about yourself is you, it tends to be lowered. You actually feel, you know, I was going to say something there, you feel very lowered in your esteem. <laughs> but you feel downed on the inside, rejected and often depressed as a result. Now these are the kinds of things that happen. That happens all around. You, you can walk down the street, you can see people who look like that. You can see it in their eyes. And you, see, and you get into a church like this, and of course what we encourage is expression to the Lord. But if people have got controls and are shut down and being hurt and wounded, what happens is they, they actually find it real difficult to do it. Whereas it's the most natural thing for a little child. Just, they don't worry about anything. Well, what happened on the way? You weren't born reserved. You got that way. You got that way. 
You were trained like a monkey, not to function like a man. See, the, the people that God's created, everything God's created is to praise Him. Express Him and find different ways of expressing. You see, but verbal violence beats you down and then you don't function right. See, how can we get out of it? There's a few simple keys. I'll give them to you now. So what are you going to do to break free of this whole deal? Well, so you're faced with, with, with verbal violence. One of the first strategies you could do is calm the person down if they're angry with you. I remember having a lady over the road and she started yelling away at me. I thought she was yelling at someone else. Turns out she was yelling at me. And not, she's yelling at me in front of the whole street, telling me what a terrible father I am. Well, I felt quite hurt by that. I got angry after that. I wanted to throw some dirt at her. I was digging something there. I felt like, you stupid old woman, you know, I know what I can do to you. I'll throw some stuff down. And you get off the street. Anyway, you drink too much and your nose is... I was thinking all those things. See, the problem is if you're hasty, if you're quick to get angry, then you do foolish things, then you have to apologize. And so instead of actually being right, now you're in the wrong and you've got to go and humble yourself, eat humble pie. So I just went down to her to talk with her, and I just talked very quietly. So if a person's really angry and abusive, just calm them down. Don't react. Don't buy into the anger. Feed on the anger. React to the anger. Just quietly talk. Talk quietly. Talk with a soft voice and begin to ask them questions and and what it does, the calm spirit will cause them to calm down and they begin to have to talk and answer your questions and then they be, and you begin to listen to them. What happens is they begin to start to get out of that angry cycle and they start to talk. And then they talk and they begin to open their heart. And I've had, men, I've had a number of people angry or really in a bad state and just, just that one scripture, see, just soft answer turns away anger. The Bible's real clear. So you just talk softly. What seems to be the trouble? You just seem to be very upset. There must be something really worrying you. What, what's happening? What's going on? And great, anyway, it turns out the, lady, the real problem was the lady was fearful of death. You think, how on earth did that come about? She's yelling at you and she's afraid of death. Well, very simple. It sort of went like this. I'm up there and there's kids on the street. She thought they were my kids. That was wrong for a start. She was afraid someone would run them down. Specifically, she was afraid her husband would run them down. And specifically because her husband had been going through medical problems and actually she was concerned about his health. But what she was really concerned about was him dying and her being alone. So the fear of death was what was causing this angry abuse of me. I hadn't done anything to cause it. It's a reflection of an unresolved problem she's got. But if I'd actually not stopped long enough and just acted biblically, I'd have never found that out. I'd have yeah, I'd thrown dirt at her and told her to get off the street and stop thinking. And, and I'd have had an angry neighbor who'd have run me down for weeks. I have enough troubles with neighbors as it was. Just coming into the street seemed to be a trouble for the neighbors. Lights on all the time, prayer meetings in the morning, meetings late at night, you know, young people in the, in the, in the yard. I mean, was, whatever we did seemed to upset everyone. I didn't need any more angry people around, you know. But it's just a very simple thing. So sometimes you can actually quieten an angry person down or quiet someone who's hostile, just touch them, talk with them quietly. Now, that's one thing that could work. Here's the second thing you do is you just, you take a hike. Jesus took a hike. He said he even told them. He said if they persecute, you just take a hike. In other words, you withdraw totally from a situation where people are abusing you. So if you've got people who are, who are, your, who are your so-called friends, but they're angry, abusive people, they've got a lot of anger in their life, you just actually don't make them close friends. Because you'll pick up their anger, you'll become like them. So sometimes the only way to get away from verbal violence or, or violent abuse is to actually cut off the relationship and withdraw totally and put a boundary on it. That may mean, hey, listen, 
You put your hand up. I'm not handling. I'm not taking this and just walk away. I, I won't be treated like that. I'm out of here. Sometimes you just got to quit. Just stand up and walk away. Now, not every situation you can walk away, but many you can. So when people start to get that way, then get out of the place. Often you find you get around people and they've been drinking a bit. It's okay for a little while, and there's a certain point reached, and then they start to get nasty. When they get like that, hey, I'm out of here. So you, you boundary it. You do not, if it's possible to boundary your life against being exposed to it, then you should do that. And so sometimes people have got to move out of relationships. They've got to they've even had to move out of homes because it was too abusive, and it was actually destroying their ability to go forward. Sometimes a young person, you can't get out of that situation, so you've got to figure another way to deal with it. So, but you do need a safe space. So sometimes it's just a matter of just going into your own room and just being away from the environment. But you do have to boundary that kind of behavior. Jesus didn't say you should be some kind of martyr and put up with it all just because you love them. He said, no, if they persecute you, leap off, go to another place. I want you to get a bit smart in this thing. And many people have stayed. I can just think of someone here tonight who was counseled by some well-meaning person who I'd like to slap uh, into staying in an abusive marriage for years violently abusive. We're talking here physically violent. And I think, what kind of crazy Christian would counsel that sort of way? I mean, they must be confused in their head. I just said, well, you should have just tell them to change places. Then see if they've got the same counsel after two days. Well, some people just give stupid, well-meant, but it's just stupid counsel. See, we're not meant to stay in a place which is going to endanger our future where we become actually destroyed by the environment we're in. Because in order for your life to go forward, you have to have an environment that nurtures emotional and relational health. And sometimes we can do things to shift the environment we're in. Sometimes we've got to learn to go deep into God in order to make an environment of our own we can live in. So sometimes you just got to wall it off. I can remember having a teacher that used to yell and abuse me in front of the whole class. Can't believe it. Now this is six, seven form. And, and stand there yelling, hostile yelling. Now, of course, there's no one I would, you know. Well, of course, I could have said a few things. Actually, I did. I let off some bombs around to the toilet. No, it gets better. It gets better. I put a time fuse on them and found the guy and started to talk with him so he'd be my alibi. <laughs> There's always a way of getting around stuff. I don't recommend that at all. You'd probably be put in jail these days. There seemed to be a bit of a sensitivity about people making bombs now. And uh, it was fun when I used to do it. But uh, we can't do that sort of thing today. So, so what I did mentally was learn, I learned mentally to erect a wall or a boundary inside me to stop his words impacting me because even though I wasn't a Christian, I knew intuitively they would hurt me and they'd get in and affect me. So I had, you actually have to build a wall. I could, he could yell all he liked, I didn't hear a word. I just shut my hearing off and just focused my thoughts and attention elsewhere just to avoid the abuse. So I wasn't able to get out of the classroom. I needed to be there to get the instruction, to get to where I wanted to get. I had to then adopt a strategy to stop the violent abuse penetrating my life and damaging me. Get the idea? You've got to learn, you've got to learn strategies on these things, isn't that right? And uh, so another thing then is uh, sometimes you just got to confront it. So another strategy is to confront. You have to do it at an appropriate time. So don't confront someone when they're nutting off. You'll really get them going. That's not the best time. Best time is when they're quiet. And then you sit down, you pray, you arrange to have a talk with them, and you talk about how what they're doing is impacting you, 
and that it's not acceptable anymore. And then you have to just set up a boundary again. Now, of course, if you're in a home where this is happening, particularly unsafe parents, it's a lot more difficult, but you can find usually a room to go to and you can do a lot to soothe. But believe me, and I, I know what this is like, that when you're in that verbally abusive environment, it does dramatically affect you. And, and often we need healing. So I'll give you the last couple of steps and then we can just have a chance to have an older call. For some of you, this will be really ringing bells with you. So the, the, the next thing is that is, is to deal, we have to deal with how things have impacted us. And what I found is that being in a terribly abusive, a violent, a verbally, just when there's an environment which has got a lot of anger and tension in it, you become filled with fear and you shut down. And then you become incredibly sensitive to whatever that anger or tension's in the air. And the moment those things are around, fear grips your heart. And I, I can remember for a long, long time being incredibly sensitive to any, anyone being angry and immediately feeling afraid. It's like that. So the impact can be lifelong. So how do you deal with that? Well, we need to bring it to the cross. We need to bring what's happened to us to the cross. There's people who have been abusing you. People have spoken into your life. The cross is the place of injustice and unfair treatment where I can actually remember what has happened to me and how I feel about it and weep and grieve and release it to the cross. I've got to let it go to the Lord. I've got to let go of the right to try and get payback and vengeance. Release it all to the Lord and let it go and grieve over it. He carried our griefs. He understands what this is like. He carried our sorrows. He carried the pain. He carried the damage. He carried every aspect of abuse. He was abused. He died as a person abused. So he understands what it's like to be in that environment, and he can offer healing. And the first place is to come to the cross, to come into that place by faith where Jesus took the penalty, the burden of all of these failures. So we bring it to him and grieve over it and forgive the person who's done it. Forgiveness unlocks the thing. Then the second thing I need to do is to cancel the power of the word. Sometimes words spoken over us by angry people cursing us and speaking into our life can follow us because they've got a demonic empowerment. So we need to cancel their power. Just simply like this, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I cancel the power of those curses. I cancel the power of those negative words. I cancel and break their power. So we can get out of this thing that's come around our life. And finally, if, if I've been hurt and wounded by verbal violence, first to the cross, then we cancel to release forgiveness and grief. Secondly, to cancel the power of these things. And thirdly, I need to then begin to start to take time to renew how I think. Now, this is the pro that takes time. We'd much rather come up and order to call and get a fix. But, you know, the fix will do a certain amount. It'll shift demons. It'll break grief. It'll break bondages. It'll unlock ties. But then I've got to actually take the Word of God and begin to start to find a strength and identity in Christ. I've got to begin to meditate in the Word of God and begin to agree with what God says about who I am, about the strength, about the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside me, giving me life, giving me the ability to prevail over everything in life. I need to get that as reality inside me. It is true, but my conscious awareness isn't aware of that. I just feel too small because of what's been spoken to me. But meditation in the Word of God and confessing that Word of God begins to rebuild the strength in the inner man so I can stand up and have strength on the inside. And then when things come, I can immediately stand up to it or I know straight away what to do. 
Now, a lot, what happens, of course, when people have been beaten down with verbal violence is they, they have ever seen a cow dog? You know, a little, I hate them. They kind of, they, I don't know how they walk. They've got a funny way of walking. They don't walk straight. They kind of got their tail hooked in under them. You know, and I don't know. It's a, when you see them, you think, what's happened to you? But obviously, they've been intimidated and frightened. But a lot of people walk through life like that like some kind of cow-beaten-up dog, you know? And that's not what we're called to be. We're sons of the living God. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We're ambassadors of heaven. We have access to the presence of God. We can create an environment that nurtures us. We can build relationships that strengthen us and, and cause us to be encouraged. We can get in a small group. We've got people around us can speak words of life and prophesy over us and speak the word of God into our life. We can pray in tongues and build our spirit man and begin to access the presence of God and begin to have an environment that's different. That's what you're called to be. See, you're not to live out of the environment around you, but to carry the environment of heaven to that place. But that's a growth step too. You don't just suddenly arrive there. You grow your way there. But you have to realize if you're in a verbally destructive, violent uh, situation, you must do something. To do nothing is to be beaten down and, and wounded and damaged for all of your life by what is happening. And you are too special and important for that to happen. You make a decision. I won't live with put-downs. I won't live with negatives. I won't live with these things. I won't be put down anymore. What I will do is I will begin to arise and handle things differently. Whether that means confront it, quieten it and calm it down, whether it means withdraw from it, I'll do whatever is needed to do this. If it means that I've got to spend time alone and change my friends, begin to build a different kind of environment around me that supports the life of God, I'll do that. I will pursue the person that I'm called to be. Huh? You're called to do that. You're called to do that. You're called to do that. And that's what will make you different because others look around and say, how did you get where you are? Because they want to know because they need your help to get there. So whatever you've been through, whatever you've faced, God's just ready there to help you get up, be a winner in it. That's what you're wired up to be, a winner in life, a winner, whatever situation, a winner. You say, well, you don't understand how bad my situation. Well, what a great chance for Jesus to raise the dead. And suppose you got killed and knocked down, battered, beaten, broken, and there you are, crushed, don't even know who you are, whatever. Well, that's as close to death as you can get. Jesus raises the dead. He, he has the power to lift you up, but you've got to tap into it by faith in Him and engaging Him at a heart level over these things. So over these few weeks, God has been doing that. And tonight's an opportunity for you, if you've been subject to verbal violence, to cursing, words spoken over you that put you down, this is your time to make a decision. I will break out of that. If you're a person here tonight who's never, ever actually walked with God, no one has to have a personal connection with the Lord, tonight's your night to make that decision, to come to Jesus Christ. He came to give you life. That implies something. If He came to give you life and give it more abundantly, it means you're living below your potential. And to, to maximize what God has called you to be, you must connect with the one who created you. Well, let's close your eyes right now. Maybe there's someone here tonight, and you know what I'm talking about. You just know what this is. This, you think, man, I think he must have known, must have read my mail or something. He's talking just about my life. But friend, tonight, God loves you. You are loved by God. You are valued by God. I have taught people around the world to hear the voice of God, and almost every time they feel him love them and they hear him say, I love you.
I love you. You are special to me. Words from heaven. What wonderful words. Words from heaven. I love you. You are very special to me. God himself telling you he loves you. I have been in meetings where God's love started to touch people. People felt the love of God. And then they began to hear him say, I love you. You're very special to me. When you've lived years with put-downs, abused, never been good enough, criticized, accused, attacked in various ways verbally, and then you hear different kind of word, a word from heaven. love you. Suddenly the wellsprings of grief begin to break open. I'm valued. I'm important to God. See, connecting with heaven, you connect with the environment of God's glory and goodness, an environment where everything thrives. 